So Oliver, who are we canceling today? The conservative outrage industrial complex. You know what I'm talking about. So like the Daily Wire, like Tucker Carlson, like those guys? Yeah, that whole ecosystem. Oh, good lord, what have they done now? Hey everyone, I'm Caitlin Burns. And I'm Oliver Ash Klein. And you're listening to Cancel Me Daddy. The show where we take a closer look at all of the panic ground cancel culture. With thoughtful analysis. And verbal shitposting. So Kate, how you doing? Listen, can I rant for a second about daylight savings time? Sure. Because this shit sucks. I don't understand why we have it. Like, it took me a whole week to change my clocks because I think it's dumb. Like, I live by myself and I work by myself. And, like, what, why are we doing this to ourselves? It's just. Oh, is this why my off. oven clock is an hour off right now? It is, yeah. <laughs> Oliver, is your refrigerator running? Oh, I, I gotta go check. I gotta go check. I'm not sure. You better go catch it. Oh, <laughs> uh, dad jokes for the win. Uh, how are you doing? I'm doing okay. Yeah. Um, I'm glad that there's more sunlight as much as, you know, daylight saving times a kind of weird whatever. I like this one better than the other one. Okay. Um, yeah, I want more sunlight. Uh, my, I'm, I'm fighting through my, my seasonal depression right now, and this is helping. Well, today on our little show, we have Faye Johnstone, who was recently featured by Hershey's Canada in a International Women's Day ad campaign, and then had the entire right wing just unleash on her. So I think we had an interesting conversation with her. Let's get into it. Joining us today is Faye Johnstone, trans activist and executive director of the consulting firm Wisdom to Action. Faye, thanks for joining us. Hi, thanks so much for having me on today. So you have had an interesting last couple of weeks, right? (laughs) It's been uh, interesting, a nightmare, uh, something I'll be talking to my therapist about for the next 10 years. (laughs) Choose one or all of the above. So for our listeners who aren't as chronically online as like I am, why don't you sort of give us the the Cliff's Notes version of what's been going on in your life? Yeah, so I uh, was recently approached by Hershey's Canada uh, for a really exciting opportunity to be included in their 2023 International Women's Day campaign. Uh, this included like special chocolate bar wrappers with our faces, uh, with the faces of myself and uh, for other young women in Canada, uh, and specific ads for each of us, uh, just f- focusing in on a bit of our story. Um, on March 1st, we were uh, told we had the green light to go live. And as soon as I posted my ad within like, you know, two hours or so, it started blowing up um, in uh, the far right, both here in Canada and in particular, uh, made its way to Tucker Carlson, Fox News and Fox News Syndicate. Uh, And all of that together meant that my mentions, my 
DMs, my inbox, my colleagues' inboxes, our general work inbox uh, were flooded with hateful messaging, uh, ranging from slurs to encouragements to suicide and so much more. That is, uh, wow, that's just about the worst possible outcome to all of that. Uh, I'm so sorry. This isn't your first run in with sort of the right wing, right? It's the first time that it's, you know, blown up in in an American context. So having, you know, figureheads like Ben Shapiro, Matt Walsh, uh, Michael Knowles, and Mm -hmm. uh, Tucker Carlson jump on me or stomp on me in a 24-hour window is definitely new. Mm -hmm. Um, But I have been targeted, I think, now four times in six months by various facets of the far right and anti-trans movements here in Canada. Uh, I've had folks, you know, do uh, like uh, share mocking photos and memes of me. I have had folks, um, you know, create conspiracy and um, spread misinformation about me. So it's not my first rodeo, uh, but never in my life could I have been prepared for what my last two weeks now have looked like. And what has been kind of the difference between your previous run-ins versus what's been happening more recently? I think the scale is the biggest piece. Um, I think uh, even, you know, here in Canada, I, I get on the radar of some of our, you know, far-right publications, but uh, it stays fairly, like, in their world. Uh, and they live in their own little echo chambers. So I get, like, dogpiled by them recurringly, but they don't have the volume of support or the, the sheer volume of followers um, and, and viewers that uh, some of these figureheads in the far right in America do. And so it's just, like, the sheer volume mm. has been staggering. Uh, but also the, the the willingness to cross lines. So, for example, um, you know, Matt Walsh made the call um, about two weeks ago to release my dead name uh, in a video that's now been viewed by more than a hundred thousand people um i had you know news stories digging into my family so allegations about my spouse uh, i had to have all of my family shut down social media for a two-week period because of the risk that they would get slandered or that folks would show up in their inboxes Uh, and so it's those pieces like the degree of the willingness to cross lines and the sheer volume that really make this like out of this world for any point of reference that i have one of the reasons why we started this show is to highlight stories uh, like yours that aren't going to be reported in the media anywhere else. And, um, you know, everybody looks at, you know, quote unquote, cancel culture as this thing that only happens to like right wingers and turfs. Um, and they're being silenced while also having like front page uh, articles written in the UK and increasingly the New York Times. But like, can you? Tell us a little bit more about just how disruptive to your everyday life this episode has been for you. Yeah, like I had to, like my my world shut down, right? Like I had uh, to worry and had to be in constant conversation with Hershey's around what was going on, uh, around like threats to my safety. There are places that I I can't peek into. So, you know, far right groups using Telegram and other apps to communicate. So I had no idea if more private information about me was being shared. I'm a recent homeowner. I bought my home about a year and a half ago and we posted about it on socials. And so there's a very real risk uh, with the sheer speed that this blew up through uh, that folks had already gone through and found information like my home address through those photos. Uh, I lived for five days uh, huddled in Ottawa, not leaving my house unless I needed to just because of the worry that something would escalate. 
Um, my spouse had to work from home for a week. And the sheer like mental exhaustion of having had your privacy violated and to know that there are tens of thousands of people who are making, you know, talking about you in a horrible light uh, that, you know, was was debilitating in a way that nothing else has been. Like, I have been, I feel like I have zero, I have less brain capacity to think about anything else because part of my brain is always focused on, like, processing and coping with the absolute shit show that has been my last two weeks. And so I have, like, a, a full-time job that I have to be doing even as all of this hate is coming my way. When this launched... Yeah. I was in Whitehorse in the Yukon running sessions on addressing gender-based violence against queer and trans young people. And while this is happening, I also have to be, you know, as I'm running this work, I'm also having to manage this nightmare that is not uh, a part, is not meant to be a part of my work to have to deal with this sheer volume of hate. Were you expecting this to to get blown up to this level where where it crosses international lines? Absolutely not. Um, you know, I, I chatted with Hershey's Canada um, in the lead up to it. And I was like, okay, like, you know, that having me as a translate in your ad, uh, it's going to get it's going to get messy. Um, but I don't think they fully understood that. Uh, and I don't think either myself or they understood the degree of scrutiny that even far right groups in Canada would have on my inclusion in the ad. Uh, and so all of us were stunned when it became an international news story. Like we had coverage in the UK, in Brazil, in India, uh, one million moms and the Christian leadership, something or other came for me. Like the scale was such that I don't think I or Hershey's were ready to grapple with. Like there was an international boycott Hershey's campaign, like yeah. because of one lady in an ad in Canada that was like a week long. It's just the absurdity is is, is staggering in and of itself. But part of this to me, like on, on the on the thought of like cancel culture, right? Like the I, one of the biggest ironies here is in January, one of the most recent times that the far right has come for me is because I worked with a coalition of Ottawa organizations um, to protest and call for the cancellation of a, a, a speaking engagement with Jordan Peterson. He was coming to Ottawa. And we, you know, had dozens of organizations sign on. We had some great news coverage. And then out of nowhere, there was just an onslaught of right-wing news articles attacking our group. And it's just like ironic as hell to have seen, you know, us get targeted for quote unquote trying to cancel someone and have the far right go into a hissy fit over it. And then to turn around a couple months later and have them try to do the exact same thing to me, yeah. but to not imagine that that's a problem. Like stand on a principle. Why don't you? Why like this? There is no, they have no values behind any of this shit. It's an inherent contradiction to their entire movement. So it's not okay to try to cancel like a millionaire who's got like massive amounts of platforms and, and money <laughs> in his pocket, but it is okay to cancel the like small town, like trans lady in Ottawa who happened to be one of five people in an ad. Yeah. So one question that I have is, you know, we usually have folks from um, the U.S. on our show. And uh, I think that there are a number of people who see Canada as this like progressive um, place that is that is just like utopia in some ways um, in the U.S., you know. And I'm wondering, like, wh what is the reality of Canada, especially, you know, as a trans person? You mean it's not America's hat? 
<laughs> we do exist as a country, believe it or not, and we do still brag about burning down y'all's White House way back when. <laughs> oh, shots fired! So I would say, you know, Canada is, you know, I, I, I think we are in a different place than the U.S. Like, I can't imagine what the what folk, trans folks in the U.S. are dealing with now, with all of the state level legislation and all of the vitriol and hate. Uh, that is making its way more mainstream. Uh, but here in Canada, I often think that we we allow the idea of ourselves as oh so multicultural, oh so diverse, to be a smokescreen for realities of far-right extremism that are growing in this country and that are, have actually always been here because mm. we are a colonial power. And so when I look at Canada, I see over the last few years... Uh, rising tides of far-right extremism. We had the convoy, which shut down our capital city for weeks on end, uh, during which uh, trans folks, queer folks, racialized folks, folks who wore masks, uh, were harassed and hounded with hate for weeks as our governments and as our police in particular sat by and didn't do much of anything. And so I think right now we're seeing across Canada some parallels with the U.S. where our drag events are facing protests, where we're seeing growing efforts to restrict um, inclusion of trans and gender diverse and queer folks in school education, and where we're seeing early efforts to look at the U.S. and the U.K. and use them as examples for why we should be restricting access to gender affirming care here in Canada as well. In the last four weeks, I have also had on a smaller level, but similar efforts undertaken to cancel two dear trans women friends of mine, one of whom for happening to accept the invitation to speak at an International Women's Day event in Alberta, the other who was dragged through mud uh, by anti-trans and turf groups in Canada uh, for having the gall to found, wait for it, a mentorship program to support young trans women and girls. And so she was demonized. And so I am hearing the early warning signs um, of increased hate. And I am seeing trans folks increasingly unwilling to speak out in media or to engage in public life because of the way that they will get jumped on uh, if they do so. And we don't have an HRC in Canada. We don't have a GLAD. We have no, we have some national orgs, but they are small they are under-resourced, and nobody is ready if this hate gets worse. This hate doesn't come out of nowhere, though, right? I mean, I think of Canada and the history of trans people in particular, and I think of, like, Ray Blanchard and, um, you know, Zucker and Megan Murphy and Jordan Peterson, who we mentioned earlier, who are all Canadian and, like, like the three guys I just mentioned are all like friends who all worked at the same uh, university. Correct me if I'm wrong, but university of Toronto. Um, So it's not like this is coming from like out of nowhere. Right. Like in terms of like fostering an anti-trans ideology, Canada actually, I think punches above their weight. Compared to like we also like the founder of the proud boys was a canadian like oh, we, right, we, yeah. we, oh. such, we spend so much time pretending that white supremacy and far-right extremism aren't alive and well here but so mm-hmm. much of turf rhetoric was like put out in the world by megan murphy and again like jordan peterson rose to infamy on misinformation about trans rights legislation like it is canada that made him famous he is Canadian, and we have a responsibility for all the bullshit that he's spewing. Now, I'm curious, uh, with this most recent, like, 
I don't know how we're just we decided to refer to it, but just like the round of hate that you had from the Hershey's campaign, like how how did you find the reaction from like the turfs that you have a history with? Uh, they were absolutely furious. I'm fairly sure that one of them was the person who leaked my dead name to Matt Walsh. Uh, and so I do have this, like, there are a number of them who are consistently targeting anything that I put out, who are um, taking video clips of, like, baby trans me on a stage and trying to point out, like, parts of my body that might make me uncomfortable, i.e. my bulge, because I was, like, 20 years old and I was a baby trans who had no idea what the hell she was doing. And so there are a number of TERFs in Canada who are paying a ton of attention to uh, trans folks. And a, a number of them actually now write for some of the far-right outlets that are pushing broader anti-trans message. And if there is no better sign that they're traitors to feminism, there is no better sign they're traitors to feminism than, than, than them writing with, signal boosting, and platforming, like working alongside explicit far-right anti-trans publications. What is it with them in our early transition pictures? Because people do this to me also. Like, what what is the appeal here? Like, I'm also like, I, I used to work in a sex shop. Like I sold people dildos <laughs> and, and like vibrators for a living. Like I, I used to yeah. give workshops on blowjobs. Like they're not going to be able to make me <laughs> uncomfortable. I will roll with these stupid little punches, yeah. but it's the fact that if I wasn't me, if I hadn't been in a sex shop, if I didn't have weird boundaries around what information I'm cozy with people knowing about me, um, like it, it would have been debilitating for so many other trans folks to have like these pieces put out there and it was meant to shame me uh, and I refused to be ashamed yeah. uh, but it was intended to make me hate myself and to make me feel like I should be hiding in a corner yeah I mean I get the ones where they're like uh you know they're posting a picture from like 2017 and they're like look at your hairline like and I'm like okay but like I dropped like a, a down payment on a house worth of money to fix my hairline so I don't look like that anymore. Can you at least like respect my bank account and post a more recent picture? Um. Right. I also like one of my favorite things, they all keep like talking about my wig and I'm like, I'm just going to pull my hair. I know they can't, nobody can hear this, but I'm just going to, this is not a wig. This is my natural, gorgeous, <laughs> thick as hell, long ginger hair. Like, it's just like things like that where I'm like, you don't even like, yeah. What, what do you think you're going to achieve with this bullshit? So I want to go back to the Hershey's campaign a little bit, because we are getting a little bit off track, I think, from our original <laughs> discussion. But um, I'm curious, uh, like, what kind of support did you get from Hershey's themselves? So Hershey's was genuinely phenomenal. Um, mm -hmm. As soon as this, like both working with Hershey's Canada in the lead up to, uh, but also when this blew up, you know, of course, Hershey's corporate in the big sense of the word, uh, jumped in and was there to back me up. So I had uh, support from them. There were some efforts they undertook around my security uh, that were really well received. Uh, and they did support my inclusion in the campaign and refused to tolerate any of the filth thrown my way. Um, so I was really thankful for them. But in particular, I was thankful for all of the organizations across Canada that showed up mm -hmm. in support of me. That includes like national feminist organizations, local like rape crisis centers, all sorts of orgs. Our queer and trans organizations came out in a big way. And my hope is that this opened their eyes uh, to the degree of hate that is thrown trans folks' way right now. And they knew it because they know me and I live in their world. Uh, but I don't think they realize the sheer like scale of vitriol. Uh, and I am very much thankful for their support alongside Hershey's. 
Do you think after all of this that like next year's International Women's Day rolls around, do you think Hershey's would be just as eager to sign a trans woman up for this campaign? And just to add on to that question, what advice would you give to trans women who get approached for these sorts of opportunities that might potentially blow up into an international incident online? Yeah. Um, so that like, this is one of the things that actually like worries me the most is the, the fact that, you know, my participation in this campaign and the reaction to it from right-wing media uh, makes it less likely, I would imagine that any corporation or company um, will engage a trans person or a trans woman in their campaigns, particularly for International Women's Day. And so that is part of the intent here is they want to stomp on these companies so that those companies are hesitant the next time uh, that, that something like this comes around. The other funny thing is that I'm actually not the first trans woman to be included in a Hershey's Canada International Women's Day campaign. Mm-hmm. They had a trans woman on the wrapper last year. Uh, A phenomenal woman. I won't share her name here because I don't want to send anything her way, but a badass uh, service, a community service worker in Toronto. Uh Um, And, you know, in that context, there wasn't the backlash. And now we're a year later and look what we're seeing. Mm -hmm. And so I think that says a lot. Um, But what I would say for anybody else, whoever, any trans person who explores a campaign like this, um, go through your social media and remove anything that you don't want everyone to know about and take every step that you can to keep your private information private because these folks will dig anything and everything up. Even the most in, like innocent looking content they will take and they will twist to cause a problem for you. The turfs and transphobes zeroed in on a tweet of me like joking with my partner about breaking up with them. And mm-hmm. they have used that to describe me as a violent man. And mm-hmm. so anything, even a joke will be taken out of context and turned against us in a bad way. I remember uh, earlier on in my writing career, I wrote a piece for uh, Romper, which I'm, I'm not sure if they're still in publication or not, because they're um, like a bustle uh, publication and bustle like shuffles in and out of um, what they're funding all the time. But I wrote a piece about like coming out to my kids as trans and like getting called dad in the women's room one time by my like six-year-old daughter and how I, you know, suggested we should probably come up with a new name for her to call me in public to avoid those situations. And I remember, uh, terse, some of them whom I know were Canadian, uh, by the way, uh, (laughs) um, taking that and accusing me of being a child abuser because I wanted to help my kid come up with a new name that like, wouldn't out me as trans in potentially dangerous situations. And this was 2017. This is way before the, you know, the, the society we live in today, where I would say that sort of incident would be much more dangerous for me personally. So yeah, I'm really familiar with the concept of taking like the most innocent things and blowing them into just wild conjecture, hoping to radicalize a few more, you know, 
And this is what these folks do all the time, right? Like, I think one of the best, like, one of the, like, the key components of, like, the anti-trans, like, echo chamber or nightmare chamber is they take either, like, innocent things and twist conspiracy around them, or they take, like, isolated examples of trans folks engaging in behavior that all of us would likely condemn Mm -hmm. from around the world, and they propel those into the virtual space, into the Twitter sphere, and radicalize folks by giving them the impression through these media stories that are largely from far-right outlets, that trans folks are somehow a threat to women and children and girls uh, without recognizing any of the part, any of the, the evidence that we have that says trans folks are more likely to experience those forms of violence rather than to be perpetrators thereof. Oh, uh, great society we have. <laughs> oh, it's a good time. Happy 2023. This year's off to a great start. I say that knowing it's almost a, Third, a quarter of the way done. <laughs> Was there anything else that you wanted to talk about just in, in terms of either this incident or sort of general thoughts on the state of, of the world, of internet culture specifically, because that is the beat of our show that maybe we didn't get a chance to drill down on here? I would say, I, I hope, like my hope from what my experience has been like over the past couple of weeks is that it is at least a bit of a wake up call. And, you know, Canada has an opportunity here to learn from what we're seeing in the US and the UK and to take steps to prevent it from happening here too. That means there's an opportunity for our federal, provincial and municipal governments to intervene and to scale up their work on queer and trans rights. And they love to pretend they're doing enough. They love to pretend they're doing a lot. Um, but, you know, when the rubber meets the mat, uh, very little changes in our communities. And so I'm hoping that folks can recognize that we actually do have a window of opportunity in Canada right now uh, to live to the vision we have of ourselves as an inclusive society and country, particularly for queer and trans people. And that could not be more important than now when we're seeing Western countries who have sometimes been those bastions of queer and trans rights, when we're seeing them, those rights under threat, Canada needs to step into its role as a champion at home and around the world more than we ever have before. Um, Oliver, do you have any other thoughts? One, one other question I have, is there anything that you're asking people to do to um, support you? Or is there anything that's helpful for you right now as you're kind of in this, this uh, hell ecosystem of the right wing media? You know, I think I, I, I wish one of the things that has annoyed me is that I keep getting dragged through mud for standing up for like social justice, human rights, queer and trans people. And I still see centrist and progressive news outlets newspapers and columnists sitting on the sidelines. And I think there is a need for folks to recognize that the fight for trans rights is not just about trans people. It's about fighting misogyny. It's about combating white rings uh, extremism. It's about fighting white supremacy. Um, But my invitation to anyone who's looking for a call to action is donate to and support your local queer and trans organizations and community collectives, because they are our best vehicle to survive the crisis that we're entering into and to protect our communities when they are under attack, such as they are right now. Faye, I'm wondering, uh, this is a question I meant to ask earlier, but um, when people see somebody going through things like what you went through, what do you want to see from like, you know, maybe people like me, you know, we, we've only really known each other through Twitter and like, this is our first time actually talking while well, we're talking over video, but um, it's sort of pseudo face to face. 
But like people who only know you from Twitter, like, are there ways that that bystanders can support you when all of this is happening? Like, do you want them to fight back or do you want them to not boost it and make it worse? Like, uh, like, let's talk about how people should look at these situations and potentially act or, or not act. Mm. I've really like struggled with this question because uh, a lot of folks have reached out and that has been incredible to see. Uh, and then there's been a few folks who have, you know, ba- like pushed back at Matt Walsh and some of the other folks on Twitter who've been coming for me. Uh, and I'm very much happy for them to do so. Uh, but it's also, yeah, it's a question of, you know, wh- where do we go from here? And my emphasis is usually just like, keep, if you're a trans activist or an ally or a champion, like keep doing what you do and lean into it. Uh, it's not necessary to take the battle on their turf and to let them set the terms of the dialogue. Mm-hmm. Um, the, one of the best things we can do is come back to the fact that trans folks deserve human rights, that we deserve to be welcomed, safe and supported in our communities. And if we just take this moment to keep amplifying that message uh, and to fight back against their arguments without engaging in their little like, you know, Twitter sphere space mm-hmm. echo chamber, I think that is our best way forward because no one's going to get anywhere out of a public fight with Matt Walsh. Uh, we can talk shit about Matt Walsh other in other places and then keep talking about things that we need to push forward, which is countering the misinformation, countering legislation and supporting our communities. Yeah, that makes sense. And as we're as we're having this conversation, one thing that I think about is, um, Kate, our interview with um, Catherine Cross, where, Mm -hmm. you know, her recommendation is if you do want to engage on um, Twitter um, is to talk about something else related to the person, like talk about positive things, just talk about like, so talking about, you know, Faye's important activism work or, you know, cool things that Faye's done to kind of get out, uh, get the um, conversation, help help steer the conversation in a different way, at least um, in some spaces. Obviously, that's not going to change the right wing ecosystem because it's it's a mess. But, uh, you know, I think that whenever we're having these conversations, I think back to that interview and the, the things that uh, Catherine shared with us. How can our listeners uh, find find out more about who you are or access your work or or follow what's going on with you? That's a great question. Uh, So, uh, you know, Twitter is not a good place, but everyone's welcome to find me on Twitter at at Faye Johnstone. That's Faye, F-A-E, and that's John and then Stone with an E on the end. Um, but other places like I, I, my, my, my firm, especially for Canadians who might be listening in, uh, we do a lot of advocacy on queer and trans issues. We help bridge the, uh, build coalitions and bridges between queer and feminist movements and sectors. Uh, and we're always, uh, keen for more folks to support the work that we're up to on advocacy in particular. And you can find our website at www.wisdom2action.org. Thank you so much for joining us. Thanks for having me. So, so Kate, are you ready for some out of context cancellations? Always, always. I live for these. Okay. So first, we're going to cancel some therapy pricing. Yeah. I was going to say, why is it so expensive to go to therapy all the time? I don't know. And like, here, here, here's my thing. Like, <sighs> therapists deserve to get paid well. And I think the problem is the medical industrial complex and our healthcare not covering therapy or a lot of providers going out of network because it's like not, it's not 
terribly like profitable to often be in network with therapy. I don't understand how it all works, but I know like in New yeah. York, like all, all the good therapists are out of network and I'm like, this system is broken. Yeah. It's broken. Heck. And some something else we're going to cancel today is the price gap between our wages and the stuff that we need to live our lives. I, is it just me or is this gap getting bigger right now? Yeah, well, that's what inflation is, right? It's, so if, oh. if your money buys less and less every month and inflation goes up and up, um, your prices are going to continue to grow. And your, if your wages don't grow with inflation, you are actually getting paid less. I don't, people don't realize that. It's like $7 for a box of cereal right now. Yeah. It's wild. Wild. Yeah. Like just six months ago when I moved here initially, I could get groceries for like $70 a week. And it's well over 100 now. Hey, yeah, yeah. Okay. Um, www.patreon.com slash me daddy. Um, something else we're going to cancel is the COVID snap emergency coming to a close. Um, because yeah, uh, I feel like the world has moved on from COVID and COVID is still here with us. Like I see friends like going out and touching grass in public and doing things with people. And like two weeks later, everybody that they met up with is sick. And I'm like, uh, yeah, like we should maybe be taking more precautions, but that's a tough sell. I think people were indoors for too long and they just kind of want to be over it. But reality is it's still here. I don't know. What do you think? I mean, I went, so I've been on one plane flight the whole time, the whole COVID, you know, nonsense. And I went on one plane flight and I was like the only one wearing a mask and it was in November or or like I get on the subway and no one's wearing a mask and it's like you're not even socializing. Like just like can you at least wear a mask when you're just like in a store buying things or it like people aren't doing anything in a lot of places and it's just it's really frustrating that there's not even like at least some harm reduction from folks. <sighs> Next for canceling finding your relatives twitter handle and discovering their culture war brain rot. Yeah. Yeah, that sounds like not a good time. One of our listeners wanted us to cancel religious OCD. Doesn't sound like a fun time. No. Cancel that, that for you. Is that different from from Catholic guilt or Oh yeah, so religious OCD, let me look it up to make sure that I'm getting it right real quick. It's basically uh OCD Compulsions that are based on a set of religious beliefs uh, or beliefs pertaining to morality. Oh, okay. Yeah. So it's it's uh, it's OCD. It's a real OCD. Um, and it sounds like out of complex cancellations today. We, you know, sometimes we got we got to put that context in. Um, this next one I would like to do, please, because this, I hate this so much. Okay, shopping, go for it. We're gonna cancel shopping for clothes. Oh my god, yes, please. Yeah. It's just a nightmare. It's not fun. I think it was fun for me at one point, but it's not fun anymore. Yeah, why can't we just like snap our fingers and just like have a perfect <laughs> wardrobe that fits us and I don't know. Yeah. Also, like a tad on to this, can we get like more big and tall women's stores, please? Like Long Tall Sally's went out of business and it actually destroyed my entire wardrobe because that place was so good. Um, and now I have nothing. So so, so we're going to reverse cancel. Yes. 
reverse cancel. Yeah. Gonna bring it back. Yes, I'm I'm very here for that. And more stores like that. There's like Torrid, but uh they're not so great on tall sizing. So like all of my jeans are high waters, so I can only get like the skinny jeans that can also pass for like like cropped. <laughs> um, so thank you, listener, for tapping into that particular trauma of mine. And if you want to submit your own out of context cancellations, you can support our show on Patreon. You can also get episodes early and your support helps us become a weekly show. Also, we would very much like to hire an editor so that Oliver doesn't have to do double duty co-hosting and editing. So let's make that happen for them. And if everybody just donated one dollar, just one single dollar a month, we could make that happen. Uh, To find out more and to join our Patreon, you can go to patreon.com slash cancel me daddy. Today's show was made by me, Oliver Ash Klein, and my incredible co-host, Caitlin Burns. Dee Peterschmidt made our theme song, and Eden M.W. designed our graphics. Our show is made possible by the incredible cancelers supporting our work, especially the members of our Canceler Hall of Fame, with the great power to cancel all of their enemies. Meg, Dahlia, and Catherine. We appreciate your support. Happy canceling! Happy canceling!